Aldous Huxley was an English writer and philosopher. He wrote nearly 50 books. And here's his quote about history. That men do not learn very much from the lessons of history is the most important of all the lessons of history. Welcome to the History Slices Podcast. A mother-son duo discussing awesome bits of history. We prove on every show that history is not boring. Entertaining, yet stimulating. This is History Slices. And now, here's your hosts, Jacob and Rachel. Hello, Jacob. Hey, Mom. How's it going? It's going good. It's going great. Uh, You remember what we're talking about today? I do. I'm really looking forward to it, too. We're talking about Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers. Yes. Uh, From It's a Beautiful Day. (laughs) Uh, From Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, what an iconic person he is. Oh, absolutely. I want to talk about this guy because I felt that he was very influential in a whole bunch of people. It was like a major part of some people's childhoods. Like his soul lasted for decades. Yeah. So many children were affected and influenced by Mr. Rogers. Like a great person in general. Yeah. So I thought, well, I. Why not talk about him? Yeah, right? you know? I love that. Shout out to great people who have positive influences. And yeah, that's awesome. Let's shine some light on goodness. Sir, yeah. Uh, so just diving right in, talking about his life and then, you know, building up to his iconic zone. We'll talk a bit about that. And then some kind of fun little personal side things oh, while cool. we're at it. So Fred McFeely Rogers. <laughs> oh my goodness. His uh, name is McFeely. Like yeah. Mr. There's Mr. McFeely was, uh, he was, he a, was a mailman. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's so interesting. Yep. He put a lot of himself into that. So, uh, <laughs> he was born in March 20th, 1928 in Latrobe, Pennsylvania, which fun fact is also the origin place of the banana split. Oh, so that's just <laughs> kind of a fun little what a nice, happy place Good that is. Good things come from there, I guess. I guess so. Um, I wonder how far away that is from Hershey, Pennsylvania, where the Hershey bars are made. Oh, I don't know. Pennsylvania's uh, got a lot going for it. Apparently, yeah. His parents were named James. He was actually the president of the McFeely Brick Company, which was, like, at the time, like, provided a big source of income to the town and all that. Wow. Uh, and his mom's name was Nancy. Uh, he also, when he was young, they adopted a, a sister, a younger sister for him named Elaine, who he was very close to. Ah, Lady Elaine. Oh. Wasn't there a Lady Elaine in his um, in Land of Make-Believe? There might very well have been. Oh, now wow. that you mentioned it, it sounds familiar. Yeah. Uh, it, was a really, it was a very religious household, and, uh-huh. and he was very religious himself. We'll get more into that. Good, because that's such a loaded word. It's like, what, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. But if we're going to get into it later, I'll save it. All right, good, good, good. Now, Throughout his childhood, he had kind of a rough childhood. It wasn't like tragic or anything, but it was just kind of rough. Um, he was very introverted and shy mm. as a kid. He had asthma. Uh, he was overweight. You know, it's a, a lot of kids are, you know, they kind of lose like a lot of weight as they get older. But um, he ended up getting bullied a lot mm. because of it. Because kids are jerks, as they're called. Kids like, are horrible. Fat Freddy or whatever. Yeah, kids <laughs> uh, can be awful. Yeah, real mean stuff. However, There's nothing new under the sun, right? I mean, we act mm-hmm. like bullying is such a, you know, we focused on it so much. Mm-hmm. Maybe we don't act like it's a new thing, but there has been a lot of focus in the past decade or so on yeah. anti-bullying campaigns well, and whatnot. Yeah, not to distract us too much, but I think it's because there's a lot more understanding of how um, damaging bullying can be. That could be, yeah, yeah. before they're just expected to buck it up or buck up, I yeah. should say. <laughs> now, 
outside of like school and just kind of being the unpopular kid, uh, he had a grandfather he was very close to. And this grandfather, he really impacted Fred. You know, he told uh, him that you make my day special because you're just being you or whatever. And that's like a kind of statement that Mm -hmm. he took with him his whole life and he ended up spreading and the sow and stuff. What a what an affirmative type of a statement to tell somebody. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So as a kid, he was also really into the piano. He loved playing the piano. Uh, he loved puppet shows and he loved sweaters. His mom knitted him a bunch of sweaters and he loved them. Wow. And all of those things would sew up again in his sew. Yeah. You see this like as a repeating thing, like his sew, so much of himself is in that and become like iconically associated with him too. Uh, so he went to Latrobe High School which was where he started to become more soul-soul and kind of came out of his cocoon, so to speak. Mm. He actually ended up as a president of the student council. Wow. uh, Amongst some other things, like he was the editor-in-chief of the school yearbook, and uh, he was a member of the National Honor Society. So he was a bit of a go-getter once he kind of came into his own. He got his feet under himself a little bit. Yeah, yeah. After high school, he went to Dartmouth College for, I think as I say it, for a year studying language because it was interesting to him. Yeah, so he only went a year to Dartmouth? Yeah, well, he ended up transferring to Rollins College, which is in Florida, because he felt that music was more of his preferred field. Okay, uh, interesting. And Rollins was a better choice. Or that may whatever. or may not be pronounced Rollins, but I'm not It might be Rollins. I'm not sure. I'm not okay. sure. Names are weird. Yeah. <laughs> he graduated in 1951 with a Batser Music, which... When researching this, I didn't know that was a thing, so that's cool. Oh, yeah, um, that's neat. But it was at Rollins, or Rollins, however you say that. This was when he met Sarah Joanne Bird, whom he would later marry. Oh. After college, he decided to enter into the field of television because, well, I have a quote by him that explains it better than I can. Okay. Basically, he said, I went to television because I hated it so, oh. and I thought there there's some way of using this fabulous instrument to nurture those who would watch and listen. Whoa. Basically, uh, he was very passionate about changing television. So that was educational and not random, stupid crins. Yeah. My words, not his, <laughs> um, you know, like he got, he, he wasn't the biggest fan of just mindless entertainment. Yeah. He wanted it to, cause he knew a lot of kids watch television and he wanted to like, you know, help nurture that, I guess. That's amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A really altruistic kind of, um, a desire to really, yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't. He didn't go into it for money or some other selfish purpose. He went into it to be a good, a good influence. It's amazing. Yeah, and and it's also interesting to me because I mean I don't know the thought pro. I don't know the guy, but I kind of know him. But uh-huh. <laughs> I, I've spent a while looking at him. But the uh, I feel like a lot of people when they have an issue with something, they just be against it. Uh, they would go the other direction. Yeah. And he went toward it. Yeah, to try to change it and make it better. Yeah. Uh, what was her name? Like Mary Whitehouse, something like that. There was a British advocate person. I don't know what you call her. <laughs> moral guardian, I guess, who was like really wrote a lot of really strong word ledgers to the BBC saying this isn't this is too violent or this isn't for, you know, the, the youth. This is unsuitable is basically anything she disproved of. And she was on like a campaign a crusade to get rid of it, but this is interesting. So you're just in comparison to somebody like Fred Rogers, who kind of jumped in the pool to try to make the pool better. Yeah, and she just like um, tried to close off the pool. She, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's interesting. Really interesting. Different ways of dealing with 
and what's the word I'm thinking of? Give me a second. Really wielding the power that we have as people. You know, how do we want to do that? How do we want to affect the world around us? It's really cool. Yeah. So he went to NBC in New York, the um, channel, and he got a job working there. There's a producer by the name of Charles Politek. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's how you say his name. Uh, he hired him as an errand boy, which combined with a less than positive work environment was frustrating. So despite all that kind of, uh, you know, frustrations, I guess, he managed to rise up in the ranks to become a floor manager for Opera Theater, which wow. was his favorite show. It's, it's what it sounds like. It's basically like introducing some opera and then they'll like give some background and then they'll play some opera or whatever. Hmm. From my understanding, I never saw it. But in a nutshell, basically what his job was as floor manager, he had to make sure the cameras were, were ready to start recording, uh, timing the shows, whatnot. There's a lot of behind the scenes mm -hmm. stuff, technical things, right? And he was very good at it because uh, he was very observant and very kind of like paid attention and stuff to what was going on around him. Then he became the floor manager for the Kate Smith show and your hit parade and some other shows I've never heard of. I don't know if you've heard your of Your hit them. parade sounds familiar to me, but I'm not sure if just hit parade sounds familiar or your hit parade. So I'm not sure. And the first one again was? Oh, uh, the Kate Smith show. Yeah, I don't know anything about that. Uh, is this like old 50s? So yeah. So, but he was moving up basically uh -huh. is the, the thing to take from this. Yeah. I want to I wanna briefly talk about the Gabby Hayes show which is one of the programs he worked on it. In it, Gabby Hayes, I don't know if that's his real name, um, he he broke the fourth wall and he spoke directly to the audience, huh. mm -hmm, which Rogers was, I guess, inspired by or really liked. Yeah. Because uh, so, he took it as a so, as like just kind of speaking to the camera like did someone there. Yeah. Um, which is so much of his show. Mm -hmm. So despite this success, you know, he wasn't making too much headway with convincing NBC to embrace as a case because uh, they were more about like entertaining mm -hmm. uh, and less about educating. Mm -hmm. So in 1953, uh, he and Sarah, who they were married at this point, they moved to Pennsylvania and started working for WQED, which was an, a new channel at the time. It was actually America's first like community television station. Like public broadcasting. Yeah. Um, like PBS. Kind of. Yeah. We'll get to PBS. Oh, in okay. He became a program manager there. Because hmm. uh, what it was is he saw opportunity to like uh, kind of push his, I don't know, dreams the right word or goal, but to kind of push that with WQED more so than uh, NBC. Okay. Mm -hmm. And he was right. The owners of WQED, <laughs> they need a better name. Uh, they decided that they needed kids so and children so. So Rogers and Josie Carey, who was the station secretary, they're given like rain to make a kid's show. Huh. And that show was, drum roll, The Children's Corner. Oh. Yeah, it's not quite as famous. But no, we'll get to the neighborhood soon enough. So in The Children's Corner, Josie would introduce free educational films for children, kind of as like a framing device, I suppose. And Fred worked behind the scenes. He wasn't on screen. Uh, it was all Josie. But the night before the show was scheduled to air... Dorothy Daniel, who was the station director, uh, she gave Rogers a good look to harm in the form of a small tiger puppet, which he named Daniel. Oh, my uh, God. He loves puppets. Right? Yeah. Um, and I, I, I guess Dorothy knew that, I suppose. I don't know. Considering it was like a gift. Wow. But uh, the reason I'm bringing this up is that while the episode was airing live on television, <laughs> uh, Rogers had Daniel sew up 
unexpectedly without telling anyone <laughs> and start talking to Josie, like with no warning. Wow. Just like the some, very same day he got the gift and, and the, oh my gosh. Yes. So unlike now where that could, might get you fired or whatever, yeah. audiences loved Daniel the tiger and it, they're like, okay, cool. It's, there's puppets in it now. Wow. Um, and he kind of became a mainstay of the show. That's almost like a, an inspired move, you know? Yeah, yeah. Very cool. 10,000 IQ play right there. Outside of puppetry, he also played the organ for like the music. And remember, this is a live show. So th- this is where the white tennis shoes that he always wore comes okay. from. Because uh, he'd have to run from one to the other really quick. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Well, the show was a huge hit and it got a lot of attention, including NBC, which is where he <laughs> formerly worked at. And... NBC invited them to fly to New York for a live show every Saturday morning. Wow. And on Monday, they'd be back in Pittsburgh to like with their regularly scheduled show. What that did was now Fred Rogers, like the whole country knew about the show now at this point, basically. You know, they knew. Was about, it was the NBC show also called The Kids Corner or something I, uh, to that effect? Corner. I or, believe, sorry, yeah. I believe so. I think it was just kind of like a side thing. Okay. Uh, the There's a slight downside to this. And luckily, it wasn't like too hostile i don't think but nbc wanted fred and josie to quit wqed and come over full-time to nbc but they're like no you know like they they were um, a little more loyal than that mm-hmm. um so i guess sometimes a bigger paycheck isn't enough yeah. To, to, yeah. for that go figure but despite all the stuff that's going on right now he went to and uh, in 1962 graduated from the pittsburgh theological seminary Wow. With a Bachelor of Divinity, which was another thing I didn't know wow. about. Um, and a year later, he was ordained as a minister for the United Presbyterian Church. Wow. Now, side question you may be getting to, so I apologize if I'm That's jumping ahead. But did they have children? Uh, they did. I okay. can't, I'm not sure when exactly. I'm just trying to think of how busy his life must have been in addition to the he was a very busy professional person. stuff going on. Yeah. And the educational stuff going on. Wow. Yeah. So his role as a minister... It was because they knew that he was like um, in television, basically. So his role was to work with kids and their families through television mm. and try to like, um, you know, kind of what he was thinking of wanting to do anyways. So what it was is the Presbyterian Church, they wanted to make a show with Fred hosting it. But something happened before that took place. He got a call from a man in charge of children's programs in Canada named Fred, ironically, also named Fred Ransbury, I believe is how you say his name. Ransbury, he wanted Rogers to make a 15-minute kids show in Canada, uh, one that would air daily, which is a lot of hard work a for something that airs You daily. said 15, like 1-5? Yeah. Okay. Now, keep in mind that Rogers and the missus, they had two kids at this point, so it wasn't an easy decision to move to Canada. Mm-hmm. However, it was kind of what his dream had always been. Yeah. So he moved to Toronto. This. It took 12 months to create the show, which was called Mr. Rogers and as one ward, because I guess they thought it'd be easy, funner for kids, I guess. Uh, and the show, it had the neighborhood and uh, colorful, in mass speaking, it was black and white, but, you know, the colorful <laughs> sets, loads of puppets. Uh, and for the first time, he was on screen, mm. like hosting it. It wasn't just him in the background doing stuff. Yeah. The show itself was pretty short-lived, but it was a big hit in Canada, and... Yeah, it was like kind of a um, predecessor to Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. After this, so after like the contract kind of expired, he moved back to the States because he wanted to be closer to his family, mm-hmm. which is fair enough, you know. Um, Makes sense. Yeah. His next so would be his most famous one. 
So, uh, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, it first aired in 1966, and it was very much like the Canadian show that we just talked about, at least for the first year, it kind of evolved, uh, as everything does, and expanded new puppets, new locations, whatever. Yeah. Uh, the Sears Company decided to sponsor it, and wow. it went, like, national. The famous theme song, right, that everyone knows, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, that... Uh, it was uh, written by Rogers himself. Ooh, that's cool. Uh, and I think we have it. Do we have it? We, we do, can... yeah. You want to hear it? Yeah, yeah. Okay, here it is. It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood. A beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? It's a neighborly day in this beauty wood. A neighborly day for a beauty. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? So that was just a little snippet of yes. it. Just uh, the piano keys, it just sounds like a smile. It does. He, again, like I say, he wrote the song. He sang it. Obviously, that was him. And uh, yeah, he just, he put so much of himself in that. So, yeah. uh, you know, he wore his iconic sweaters with the white sneakers and mm -hmm. all that. And he had all the puppets and the piano music and yeah. It's really amazing how much that show is just him mm -hmm. and how much of it, of it is, it's nothing like the flashy, um, exciting kind of tone that every show mm -hmm. has. It seems like nowadays it's very down to earth and plain. When, when but he was, uh, when he was still living, he was kind of a, not a joke, but people kind of poked fun at that a little bit mm -hmm. with the, um, cause they thought he was a little too wholesome, mm -hmm. a little too like kind of relaxed, you know, yeah, or too wholesome. Or that's, that's yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well just, you know, from like a, um, objective standpoint, mm -hmm, I guess they're mm -hmm. like, this is kind of silly. A little too squeaky. Yeah. Yeah. Well, regardless in 1969, the so went color, you know, oh, yeah. and it's a, it's a cultural cornerstone, at least in the in the States. I don't think it went too international or anything like that, judging from like comments and stuff I've read. Uh huh. As this one person, I don't know, I don't know anything about them. There's one person I read somewhere as a comment on a video or whatever, uh -huh. where he was like, you know, the more I hear about this guy, the more I'm thinking that like we, we missed out yeah. <laughs> in like yeah. France or wherever that guy was uh -huh. from. I don't yeah. know, not America. Yeah. So, and it was even at the time it was very popular. Uh, PBS, which is the public broadcasting service for all you non-American folk, uh, it took charge in its third season. The show actually had a couple different runs. There was like I think a hiatus, hmm. um, but the first run ran had eight seasons, which was four hundred and fifty-five episodes. Wow, which is crazy. Was it? Did it end up being daily? It was right, like Monday through Friday, or or something, or do I you know? I don't know. I think so. I'm not sure. I guess if it had four hundred fifty-five. Episodes and in eight seasons, that wouldn't be one every day. No, it, it was enough though. Yeah, uh, maybe it was a couple days a week. Yeah. I don't. I was just trying to remember. Sir, I was trying to rack I didn't my want brain. To do the math. Oh, don't worry. That's all right. I just was trying to picture as a kid if I remembered, but I, I, I didn't get to watch too much. That's fair, Mister Rogers. When I was yeah. little. Well, it, it's crazy the length of it, and even Rogers need a break. So the show had a period of reruns, okay. um, but he picked it up again in 1979. And this version of so lasted until 1993 or wow. so. Wow. Wow. Mm -hmm. He actually, um, actually, I think there was kind of a, he came back briefly after 9-11 to kind of like 
assure kids that like, hey, it's okay or whatever, you know, wow. to kind of address that. He addressed some crazy themes on because he's it, so. such a trusted voice mm-hmm. and. Yeah. I can't overstate this enough. The reason the social successful was because of Fred Rogers. He is one of the most empathetic, caring, charismatic, captivating person I've ever seen. He wasn't acting. If you haven't seen it or you haven't seen him, you you don't you don't understand what It's Mr. Rogers on the screen. He's not a character. He's not playing yeah. some other I've seen so many interviews and read about how he acted cam- camera is the same person. Zone Waters, who is kind of this uh, tough as nail kind of comedian lady back in the uh, 80s or whenever C interviewed him and C was like it's on YouTube like she was like reduced to like a like a little like school girl or wow. something you know she was just really liked just captivated by this guy he almost had a magical kind of presence mm-hmm. it's like I don't know it's I don't know I don't know what to say about him because it's like no one no one is that nice, yeah. right? It's like, what? He, he kind of seems, I mean, it kind of seems like, and maybe this is just my take on it. Obviously, sure. it's a subjective opinion. Sure. But um, it, he's kind of someone to aspire to, especially in the face of how harsh the world can be to everybody, you know, mm. big, little, old, young, fat, ugly, <laughs> you know, yeah. beautiful rich not rich i mean it just it gives us something to you know aspire to to be that kind of person despite what we see around us absolutely you always place great value in being yourself and being honest Mm -hmm. and not just like don't tell lies being honest but like being upfront with your feelings and there's no same in you know being angry at something or sad at something you know like it was a very mature way telling you know to to tell kids like it was a very mature way to handle these things and on his show he talked about relevant subjects that no one else would be willing to talk to kids about like he had an episode about death and divorce and stuff like that though of course often it was also just you know more like kids you know like uh kid level yeah like about you know like tying your shoes or whatever you know Uh, but helping them process really difficult topics mm -hmm. And there's a lot of crazy, wholesome stories about Rogers. I'm going to talk a couple about them. Uh, one of like a short one is that he would feed his fists and like and in the cell, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But eventually, he started narrating himself, saying, "I'm going to feed my fists now." What happened was a blind girl who listened to his cell was worried that oh. he wasn't feeding the fists. Oh, that's fascinating. Mm-hmm. So he would. Visually, we'd see him on camera go feed his fish while he was saying hello or good morning mm-hmm. or whatever. And then so he started saying, I'm going to go feed my fish. Yeah, just so she wouldn't worry because uh, her mom or whatever wrote a note or wow. she had a note written wow. um, to him. And But my favorite story, I think my favorite one, and this is one you can watch on YouTube. So it's it's fact. It isn't just like people saying stuff. You know, it isn't like like there's one story about how uh, some guy stole his car, realized it was his and then returned it with a note saying, I'm sorry, didn't know it was you. <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but yeah. I, I can believe it happened, uh-huh. but I don't know if that's true. Yeah. But this one did happen uh, once. I think this was like in the late 60s, like 69, something like that. Congress was debating cutting funds, like up to $10 million of PBS, similar shows or channels like that, as a case wise. Rogers testified in court, and in like less than 10 minutes, the budget cut turned into a $10 million budget increase. Oh, my god! It was insane. And he just like basically told him about a show. 
and saying them like a song about it or, or whatever. Wow, that he from was the just soul. himself. And and like the uh, I don't remember the guy's name. What some it was one of the, like the Democrat senators. I can't remember his name, but he's like. Do we have a copy of that? So that's interesting. You know, he like wow. was, t- he got like Jedi mind tricked or something. It was crazy. Wow. Uh, and then he was still pretty brand new at the end of the 60s. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the reverse Hitler, right? Yeah. He's using his charismatic powers for good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Almost like a Jedi mind trick. Yeah, like, that's crazy. This He's, is not the place you want to cut. Yeah, it's insane how, how much like empathy is there. Wow. Another story. And this one was funny because he, he wasn't the biggest fan of like parodies of himself or anything. Like if it was done in good faith and he recognized that it was like us cause we love you so much as an yeah. effects and a parody. Yeah. And he was, he was fine with it. But uh, one time the KKK had a guy look kind of like Mr. Rogers and had an impersonator to try to like indoctrinate children. And when the real Mr. Rogers found out about them, he sued them and they lost, or the KKK lost like instantly in court. Wow. And he's, how offensive. I'm right. And he's like, I'm not the suing person, but that got my yeah. go. Yeah. <laughs> like, seriously. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's, everything he does is pure. Yeah. And he, they come out and just try to smear him. Mm hmm. So the show is amazing. It's great. It's very nice. It's very wholesome. It's been streaming on Twitch for since 2018 or whatever. Um, that's really cool. Did you, do you remember watching that as a kid at all? A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't remember if you guys watched that or not, honestly. Did you have a favorite part? Oh man. I don't know. The puppets are fun. I like the puppets. Yeah. Like little, like there's like little Keen Friday and all yeah, that. Yeah. And in the land of make-believe or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That was like a train. Yeah. I think, that like was like my, my favorite part mm-hmm. when watching that train go around and then all of a sudden they're in the land of make-believe and yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There is awesome. one bit where like McFeely, the postman, he uh-huh. would he brought him like a slide whistle and he just played like a yeah. slide whistle. And yeah, like, I don't know. It was fun. It was, and didn't it's he very sometimes wholesome. he used to go? Um, it seems like he would go to different places, almost like taking us on a field trip. Like it would be to go to a factory or something. Yeah, like there that. there was a um like a segment of the show where they would leave kind of the the, the house mm-hmm. and go to or leave the set. I should say. Yeah. And go to. It felt like you were leaving the house. Though. Yeah, yeah, and go to <laughs> yeah. some like little mini, uh, like like you said, a field trip or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Is it a farm or yeah. whatever? Yeah, that's really cool. Really well done. Yeah, and uh, yeah, there's one story. There's one thing where um, he had on a ten year old kid in a wheelchair. I'm not sure what his ailment was, uh, but he was disabled, and he had an episode with this kid as kind of like a you know like. I don't know what you'd, how you'd say it. Like, I don't know. Just like, like bringing awareness. I or? guess. Yeah. But also just like, um, you know, you can do stuff I can't do and I can do stuff you can't do and that's yeah. okay. You know, whatever. Yeah. Everyone's good at something. Uh, well, years later, like 20 some years later or whenever, uh, during an award show, this kid, now an adult, he rolled out his wheelchair to like wow. personally thank, uh, Mr. Rogers and Rogers, like they got a, awesome close-up of his face he was so genuinely happy to see him <sighs> like he he uh jumped on the stage which is like one of those scenes where it's just like if it was anyone else resting the stage at your own award ceremony is probably not okay but because it's mr rogers and you all know that it's like oh he's just so happy to see his friend uh, and it's just like oh my goodness <laughs> wow oh my goodness people don't 
act like that. They don't think like that. So it's just like, generally speaking, so it's just like, it's such a strange, amazing thing to witness. I think that the surprising strength of Mr. Rogers is, it's easy to get emotional over this guy, isn't mm-hmm. it? Is um, he doesn't have any barriers. He's, he's, he is who he is, who he is, no matter where he is or who he's in front of or anything else. And the rest of us, typically humankind, uh, we're pretty good at protecting ourselves and protecting our feelings and not being really open about what we think or, you know, trying to encourage other people. We're very self-centered and more worried about us than how we can make other people feel comfortable or, or try to make them feel better or do better. So I think he, he has this sort of quiet presence, but I feel like he has such a strength of a vulnerability, like his strength is in his vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And I think that's pretty ironic, but very attractive too. And, and I like pulling people into that. And that's why I say, I think he's inspirational. Yeah. There's no skeletons in his closet. He didn't, it wasn't like abusive to his wife or anything. Yeah. He wasn't like uh, an alcoholic or anything like that. Like never uh, that I'm aware of. Has there been someone that has a, had some very major flaw, you know? Yeah. And I don't know what his is, if he has one. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure he does. I'm sure he must. You know, maybe know. he really liked to eat bonbons <laughs> <laughs> too much. Something or that's uh, not that gluttonous. big of a problem. Yeah. Well, like the, um, I can't blame him on that. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. He, he was an amazing man. Yeah. Um, and his show, he retired eventually. His show had finished up at 31 seasons, 865 episodes. Wow. It was the, at the time, the record setter for the longest running kids program. Sesame Street has since beat it, but it was like decades long. That's amazing. I think, and always having him at the center, that's, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Like Sesame Street, you know. People have changed and mm-hmm. and whatnot. But I think going back to when I thought it was daily, I think maybe it's out on like Saturdays or something. Not that it matters. My brain is still trying to figure it out. No, it's fine. But that's really incredible. Uh, another thing uh, that I just remembered, I meant to bring this up earlier. Another thing was that like he, oh, geez, I, I can't remember his name. They're one of the actors on the show was African-American. I don't remember his name, unfortunately. Uh, I know it. I just can't remember it. But he... um. There was a scene during like like oh, some real heightened racial tensions going on at the time, and the two of them had a foot bath together on the <laughs> show, and Rogers kind of like helped you know clean his feet and stuff, and that was like a huge segregation thing. Like black people, wow. white people are not supposed to bathe together, and they're wow. not supposed to like you know do that together. So it was like a big to the kids wouldn't get that necessarily, yeah, but adults certainly would have yeah, at yeah, the time yeah. that. It doesn't matter who you are or what you look like. You are special because of who you are. Yeah. Yeah. And so he was feeding that message into, and really not, really just kind of confirming what kids already know. Yeah. You know. A a baby, a newborn baby doesn't have any judgment about another baby if it's a different, Uh, like, ethnicity. Or if it has any physical issues or ailments or anything like that. You know, we, we, we learn how to judge people. So, wow. Really interesting. Now, was he in the military? No. Okay. For some reason, I, I there's a lot of there's a rumor that he's like some. There's a lot of internet 
jokes slash speculations that oh he was actually an ex-military sniper and killed yeah. once people and he was yeah. a you know hardcore tattoos and stuff which yeah. isn't true yeah um and f- fun fact actually on 4chan which is like the uh the wretched hive of the internet i guess you can say uh-huh. uh they let a lot of stuff fly, but they will instantly ban you if you insult Mr. Rogers. Wow. Like. Wow. He's protected. Yeah. Well, uh, eventually, what I was getting to before I got sidetracked thinking about this guy, it's hard not to get emotional um, just reading about him, much less talking about him. But maybe I'm just a big old softy. Yeah, uh, well, I know that. <laughs> after he, a year after he retired, basically. Uh-huh. He, Which was in the early 90s? Or, or? early 2000s. Oh, okay. Like, Sorry. Yeah. Uh, well, he was diagnosed with stomach cancer. Oh. And he passed away February 27th, 2003. Okay. He was 74 years old. Still, like, like nastily mourned. Yeah. Like, so many well-known people showed up at the funeral. And it was, like, yeah, it was, like, a whole thing. Uh, and the show kept doing reruns because PBS is super, like, supportive of him which is nice sometimes they're usually very supportive of their you know like bob ross i think is a painter guy mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. they're usually very supportive of you know their their content creators i guess you could call yeah, them yeah that's probably a good name uh some some platforms aren't as supportive yeah or loyal or whatever yeah mm-hmm. or are just kind of generally a little more what's a nice way of saying it they mess around a little bit more <laughs> i guess uh with the um the PBS keeps running reruns of his show and stuff, and it's all very, it's all very wholesome. And it's very influential, and I think this person, I think he made the world a better place. I honestly believe that. There's an old kind of, well, I don't know how old it is, but there's this thought uh, that you should act in a way that if everyone acted like you, there'd be no problems. Yeah. 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 Uh, and I think he got that now. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, he's in such a small pool of mm-hmm. people who are like him. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, people are, people will be people, Yeah, but it's still very refreshing and very nice to see someone who, I don't know. Who was so genuine. Yeah. And who was, who was so caring, like you said, and empathetic mm-hmm. and just who he was. Gosh, very inspirational, very inspirational person. Yeah. So that's why I want to talk about him because I thought, one, it's very interesting and very near and dear to my heart. He's a personal hero of mine next to D.B. Cooper. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, two, uh, he, um, I don't know how well known he is outside of the States. Like I get that's the feeling that yeah. because of like globalization or whatever, people yeah. know of him. Yeah. I don't know if they realize like, this guy was a real OG, you know what I mean? Like, this guy is the real I don't know deal. what OG means. Oh, yeah, original gangster. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, like, flipping through all the... Uh, no, he, basically, he was, like, the real deal, basically. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's good. Wow. Well, I have enjoyed this episode immensely. I, I can't remember if I've sort of shed tears on any other episodes. I might have <laughs> once or twice, but this one really, um, I believe, res- I'm sorry. It really restores hope in humanity kind of, and, and just the word inspiration just keeps coming back to me. Like it, mm-hmm. it makes you want to be a better person. It does. It does. There is a, um, again, I don't know if this is true or not, but there is a comment on one of the videos with him in it about this person. He was recalling a story about how he had a coworker who's just being kind of a jerk to people. Just being kind of, unlikable and kind of not great to work with and this guy said you're not being the person mr rogers knew you could be and the um 
and the jerk, he he kind of paused a moment, looked at him, and they're like, "Damn, man, that's cold." <laughs> and then like, and then like after like a couple minutes, he went around apologizing to people and stuff. Like, I'm wow. sorry. <laughs> wow, that's <laughs> so funny. a bad day. I'm sorry. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but I know that story is true, but yeah. I can believe it's true yeah, because yeah. it like matches everything else. Yeah, uh, that's very so. cool. Before you tell us what what's coming up next, I just want to say personal thank you to Fred Rogers and also to Jacob for doing a great job oh, on this you. episode and to our listeners too, man. Thanks for, for tuning in. Yeah. So what do we have to we look forward you. Yeah, to? Uh, completely. Yes. What are we looking forward to next time? Well, next time we're going to be talking about one of my favorite presidents. Oh. We talked briefly, not briefly. We had an episode on it about Andrew Jackson. In the yes, past. we did. And he was a bit of a jerk. Yeah. Uh, this one is a bit less of a jerk, though he had a very strong character as well. We're going to be talking about Theodore Roosevelt. Okay, Theodore Roosevelt. I'm looking forward to that. Like yeah. I always do. I look forward to seeing what you got coming up because most of these people are just names and sort of vague places in history <laughs> for me. So listeners, once again, thanks for tuning in. We hope you have a great day and we'll see you next time. Bye. once said, study the past if you would define the future. You've been listening to the History Slices podcast with Jacob and Rachel. We hope you've gotten some useful information from the show. We hope we made you think and we hope you were entertained. We know we had fun and we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on Facebook at History Slices and on Instagram at History Slices podcast. Make sure to like, rate, and review the show. And tell a friend about the show. That'll help us out, too. One more quote before we go from Michael Crichton. If you don't know history, then you don't know anything. You are a leaf that doesn't know it's part of a tree. Till next time, this is History Slices, signing off.